Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is a childy? Can buildings actually be sick or cursed? Do fairies really exist? Hello and welcome to the 710th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on ON 1240 celebrating 70 years of broadcasting here in New England's Blackstone Valley. I'm Ben and those curable questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and father, Paul. And today we bring you an open line show and we welcome your calls. Numbers are 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada or 401-762-1240. That's uh, locally. And if you'd like to send us an email, don't forget about that. Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for those. Well, welcome back uh, to our very popular guest co-host on these open line shows, the celebrated Shane Searway. Yep, and I apologize for missing the last one, um, the last open line show. Thousands were in mourning. <laughs> I'm not kidding. We, we, we get you know complaints when you're not on oh, these open well, line shows. Well, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm back and let's begin. Okay. All right, let's begin. Let's start with an email here. This one is from um, uh, Rob, and Rob does not say where he is from. Rob from nowhere writes to us, or well, to, to one of uh, us Enos. Dear Mr. Eno, I recently read your book, Behind the Paranormal. Uh, very interesting, and thank you for it. But the question, you mentioned that ISIS uh, has proved uh, powerful in exorcisms. How is this discovered? Can you direct me to any literature on this? Thanks for the help, Rob. Okay, that's probably the toughest question. Just what your ego needs today, Ben. You were the co-author, and you weren't uh, Anyway, yes. um, okay. The, the background of this is that um, we have. I, I myself was involved in a bunch of exorcisms and things uh, in the 1970s when I was studying for the priesthood, and from time to time, one would run into. And this is not necessarily in the exorcism context, context, but in the context of negative entities we refer to as parasites. Uh, for many, many more instances than there were exorcisms that I participated in. So over the years, many cases of parasitical entities, things I came to believe were parasitical entities through a long process of rubbing elbows with them and, and realizing that, that the at least the Roman Catholic theology at the time was not good enough to really deal with these things. Hence the idea that one expands beyond the Christian perspective. Now, I am constant because I was in the seminary for many, many years. I was never ordained, but almost uh, got almost got there. Uh, I am constantly being blamed for not embracing other people's religious beliefs because people are very convinced of their beliefs. If they have religious beliefs, uh, they're correct very often. And although more people are open-minded, so uh, for me to mention the name of ISIS, which I'm, obviously I'm not talking about the hideous terror organization, and I cringe every time that name is used in uh, being applied to that group. I'm talking about the uh, well-known, uh, not just Egyptian, but Mediterranean uh, goddess figure who is renowned um, really throughout all of history and up to now. And certainly the figure of the mother goddess has been uh, honored really throughout human history. And uh, even a, a uh, ferociously male-oriented early Christianity and it wasn't all, and it wasn't necessarily ferociously male-oriented in the beginning. Because Mary Magdalene, who was, uh, if the people don't know about her from uh, church school or sermons or the Bible, uh, they know about her from the uh, books of Dan Brown and the movies made therefrom, uh, which of course were the um, uh, 
various things about the bloodline of, of Christ and all this, know about Mary Magdalene. Um, and it, it popu- popularly, she was uh, considered to be, have been a prostitute whom, who was redeemed by Christ. That, there's, no, there's nowhere in the Gospel that it says Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. All it says in the Gospel of Matthew was that Jesus cast seven demons out of her, period. That's it. And the early church considered her, quote, equal to the apostles, unquote. So, so but there's, there seemed to be a threat to the male-dominated church later on after it became so, and hence the idea that the feminine in the associated with the divine is has been very suspect, which I think is a really dumb mistake and just it goes against the whole of human spiritual tradition. The people would not let her go. Therefore, and this is going to be fighting words too for people who are into the Christian theology, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh, other, known theologically as the Theotokos, a Greek word meaning the, the one who, who gave birth to God. Or the bearer of God. The bearer of God, right, thank you. Uh, so anyway, the point being that people get very nervous about mentioning anybody but Christ in an exorcism. Now, I've never been in an exorcism where ISIS was used. However, I have been in homes where Christian belief was not the case and where the name of ISIS proved very, very powerful for the people in scattering these parasitical entities, whether temporarily or sometimes even permanently. So that's all I can tell you. I don't think there's any literature on this except the little I've written about it. Uh, in Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny, my 2006 book there uh, is something about that. But generally, it's just something that I sometimes cite, uh, if for no other reason than to uh, encourage respect for a very, very ancient human concept uh, that has been uh, unfairly trodden upon, I think, over the past thousand years or so. Um, so, Ben. Well, I guess I can I can take a swing at it. Sure. I, I think the closest literature you'll find is probably Carl Jung and his his um, right. research that. on um, icons and yeah, you know, human symbols, and that you know, symbols are are powerful. So you know, people will, will talk about the power of the cross, power of the name of Jesus, or or whatever. But there's also people that you know, if if you have a Native American tradition, um, you know, smudging is incredibly powerful for you as well, or you know, other 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 sorts of rituals, um, whether whether it be um, making offerings to each each uh, direction on on the compass or whatever. I can't remember the name of the ritual off the top of my head. But you know, each tribe has their own things. Each religion has their own things that they that they they do. And you know, Carl Jung cites that you know we as humans have icons that we that we sort of give power to ourselves. So I mean, you know, the name of ISIS could be powerful because you give power to it. You know, mm, it's like yeah. like, like an ans- like an ancestral memory kind of thing. You know, it's like how how um um. Like when you like in some cases you would give kids like pictures of angels and stuff. I very often would do that. Yeah, yeah. I still do if they if I run into any. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's a because it's a powerful yeah. symbol and sure. people give power to things that they believe in because faith is incredibly powerful. Mm-hmm. So I mean I guess you could if you if you want to research more in into it, uh, Rob, you should definitely check out Carl Jung. Cool. What I found, you know, it's 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 the effect that the religion or it, it, different techniques has on the individual more than it does that technique have an effect on the entity that's haunting or, or you know, afflicting somebody. So <clears throat> it's it's the effect that it has on us. So if, if you don't have belief in it, it's not going to work. And I've, I've seen that time and time again where 
people have used different types of tactics to try to rid their home or themselves of a parasite. Um, and it's not going to work unless it, unless that it has a strong effect on that person and they have a strong belief in that process. Otherwise, it, it will not work, and it usually doesn't. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like if, you know, if, if someone's like a Lutheran and a Catholic priest comes in and blesses the house, it's not going to do anything. Right. Like, yeah. Well, I used to ask that during... I asked uh, Father Carter, my one of my mentors, who was the exorcist, and he would he said I said well, what do you do if you run into somebody who's uh, you know um, Zoroastrian or Muslim or something you know in a household and in the seventies that wasn't as common in America as it is today but today you run all kinds of people with all kinds of different beliefs right. and he said well you know uh, he kind of equivocated but uh, but but there was a great belief at the time that didn't matter what people believed it was the name of Jesus that really has and the, the, there are power names. And, and as Ben said, maybe, maybe it's from our inner ancestral memory or something. That whether we believe in it or not, it comes out. But I think you're, everybody's right here. You know, I think yeah. that there's there's a component of all of that. So, um, but today it's a case by case basis, really, what you use to uh, as a tool, depending on what the people believe. Yeah. So uh, all the others are emails are very long. So we're gonna we'll go through <laughs> the Facebook ones, which tend to be much shorter. So here's one from Eileen, who does not say where she is from. Right at the top there. All right. Eileen from nowhere starts with one sentence. Lovely. Uh, exactly what is a black mist supposed to be or represent? I'm going to let Shane start with that one. What do you say, Ben? A black mist? Yeah. Um, well, I've seen that in, in different situations. Um, I'm Mostly where there was, where there was like a... Um, a sudden death. I, I've witnessed hmm. a black mist with my my own eyes, um, and you know I've had it described to me from cases I've done. You know, but it, it was, it's never something that's hung around. It just appeared at one point, you know, followed by other activity. But I, I myself have seen it in areas where there were you know like murders or or um, and it, it 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 almost looks like a life form, and it's it, it is a black mist, and it. Um, one time it was actually I was driving by where this person was murdered um, and I didn't know that at the time I, I, I was driving by and I saw this black wispy thing you know almost life form looking but but um, smoky looking but solid black you know you could kind of see through it but it was like real real black like charcoal color hmm. um, and it, it was standing and it, it kind of like floated behind the corner of the building and I actually turned around and went back it was gone but I clearly saw it for you know probably two three seconds solid straight on um, and I it wasn't until I did research and I found out that there was a, a murder right there um, oh. so and other people actually they, um, hospitals and doctors um, there's been in, in, interviews with doctors and uh, where they could do so anonymously and, um, and nurses and stuff and um, that claim to see that in in you know where there's a lot of deaths um, like in the morgues and stuff like that they see them or right before somebody passes away they've claimed to see a black like smoky mist above the the person um, and I, I watched um, it was like an hour interview with with uh, real doctors real nurses you know and and um, they all have the same story they all seen this black misty thing right before someone would pass away. Well, the question arises: Is this an entity? Is is it a, some kind of a world boundary with black plasma? Is it? Or, right. You know, I don't know. Now, now th- this has come up a lot in my years. Um, I'm thinking particularly back Augsburg State Hospital, where we did these exorcisms, and a lot of stuff was going on. Some zany stuff was happening from time to time. 
and th- there were reports of this blackness. The staff would see it sometimes. And uh, sometimes it was just out of the corner of their eye. You'd look or be going around a corner, but yeah, they did see it. Uh, now, people often think they associate black mist or, or phenomena with the negative, right. and they associate white stuff with ange- which is uh, not entirely accurate by any means. No. I've seen, and I'm thinking of several poltergeist cases, especially the Bridgeport House in 74, the the mist like whatever it was that that we saw was more like an off white semi yellow in it filled the kitchen and you could see these entities coming down and that's they weren't black mm-hmm. on the other hand there have been the shadow type people the uh, the small shadowy figures remember Ben in the um, uh, the house in Burlow, Rhode Island, right down the uh, yes. area here. Uh, that was a, a frequent report of these smaller figures. So I think it's, it more depends on, on the, the circumstances of the uh, the energy involved and the uh, the particular, uh, I suppose, multiversal environment that might be going. And there might not be entities. Well, some of them undoubtedly are, but they might not not all be entities at all. So it's it's difficult to say what what it means. Except that you have multiversal energy being exchanged, I would I would think. Ben, what do you think? Well, um, you know, I don't have too many p- opinions about it. Surprisingly, um, I've I've never really had any experiences with it myself, other than you know, hap- like sort of perceiving this, but not quite seeing it. You you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you kind of operate on a different level than I do. I, I suppose. I mean, I don't know. I don't, li- I don't like to think about it too much because we don't really know anything when it comes down to it. But it does turn up a lot. It does turn up, yeah. I mean, more than likely, it's it's probably just electrified air molecules, plasma. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that there's... I've never seen black mist ever or heard anything about it. So when I, when I was looking at that, I was like, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Well, then you you take another step and you get to the shadow people, which is the similar phenomenon, only it looks like in the shape of a certain person with... uh, I know there's another question on this. We we can probably get into that more deeply. But Uh um, at this point, it's difficult to say precisely what it means. as, As I always do, and I'm sure all of us would agree, exercise caution in all these situations and look at what other family members are seeing or feeling and just take it a step at a time. Baby steps, as Ben would say. Yes. Baby steps, indeed. Anything else on that? Before, uh, nope. I'm okay. Good. All right. You know, all right. Shall we go right down the line? We might as well. Sure. Sure. Alrighty. So we have uh, Rick from Lyle, Illinois. He writes to us, I thought you might like to know uh, my, my son's babysitter has been seeing black military hop helicopters uh, flying back and forth over her house all day today. We both live about 30 to 40 minutes west of downtown Chicago, and I thought that was strange for her to, uh, to say, uh, considering all the Mothman sightings we've been having here. Mm. Which, I, I keep forgetting that, there, that there's even a whole Mothman thing going on in Chicago right now. Well, we managed to, uh, to squeeze a couple of it into our latest book, a couple of sightings, uh, just at the last minute before it went to press, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, I'm seeing oh, a yeah. pop-up on my Facebook, like crazy, like every week. Yeah, I know you've been following that change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in Chicago, like, I mean, one or two every week, uh, uh, Mothman, or, or some, they're describing other creatures, too, that they're seeing in Chicago, but mostly it's been the Mothman sightings. It's all in the same, like, they all, all like, relatively relatively the same area too which is what's interesting it's all down by like um closer towards uh uh 
crap, I forget what lake it's near. Erie? It's Lake Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan. Yeah. It's all it's all close it's all like relatively close to like um the ports there. So it's yeah. it's making me making me wonder what kind of disaster might happen if a disaster happens at well, all. Well, if that's what it's about. Yeah. But you know, well, that's what strikes me. I mean, you look at the Mothman sightings in the 1960s. They were in the Upper Ohio Valley, uh, Point Pleasant, where we've been, is not very big. Uh, it's you know, it's not Chicago by any means. No. So you've got a, and you've got farming country all around. So you've got small, uh, relatively small town. You've got farming country. Yeah, you got stuff going on. But a humongous metropolis like Chicago. Yeah, that's weird. That's well, it's really not weird. unknown, but but uh, the, the volume of sight, unless it's copycat stuff, you, you just never know with these things. I'd like to see the data on the sightings. Me too. So that that's still. When was process. the last time that that Mothman was known to be seen? I can't remember. I'm really drawing a blank. Well, it seems to be all the time. Uh, the the last major one where there was a disaster that followed, you know, again, if it was related to the sightings, was Chernobyl. Oh yeah, that's right. The, the, the Ukraine, the, yeah. Yeah, which is only circumstantial evidence. Yeah, well, all of this. <laughs> that's a good so point. Really, yeah. so uh, we just don't um, don't know. But we're very interested. We'd love to hear from listeners who may have had sightings. Uh, we'd prefer not to have third-hand information, but if people have had sightings, first-hand experience with any of these things going on in Chicago, we'd love to hear about it. So would Shane. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm uh, actually friends with somebody on Facebook who has a publication and a radio show, but the publication is, is about this type of stuff, and he's been following it like crazy, and he's, he's posting you know updates and um, mm-hmm. reports, and he's got people working on it, and, and um, if you don't already know him, you, may, you probably do, but... Um, I'll, I'll hook you up so you can... You yeah, please, yeah, you probably already know me. Well, I, I'm listen, the descriptions that we heard early on, this is in April, and we put them in our book, were uh, the Behind the Paranormal 2 Bigfoot Mothman and Monsters You Never Heard Of, uh, were of, a, of a, an almost bat-like creature of great size. Uh, one of the incidents we reported was one of the early ones. man was walking with his, his son, and there was, there was a, a marina... Uh, Lake Michigan, and he saw two of them uh, flying kind of in a circle. And at first, he thought they, they were they were just huge bats, but he looked again, and there was just something wrong about them. And they were, you know, uh, this Mothman sort of. Yeah. By the time it. we got the, the book out, it there was it just exploded. There was, oh yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. I, I remember looking at like a like a map. Of well, we, well, we're going to expand that chapter as we get more information. Ah, yes. But I'd like to hear Shane. Have you heard any reports of the red eyes? Uh, in just about every Mothman report from the 1960s in the Ohio Valley, the, re- the, the descriptions may have differed, but there was always the red eyes. Yeah, I did read some of those. Some of them did report red eyes, I believe, in, in the, yeah. these recent Chicago ones. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you think that this is um, taking off because of, you know, sort of public, uh, not hysteria, but... You know, yeah, like, I wondered that, you know. You know. Urban legend, everybody wants to get into the act, that kind of thing. Right. Gee, maybe we'll get a show on the History Channel. <laughs> I've wondered that, but um, this 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 guy that I know, um, he's got you know people working with him, uh, reporters or whatever, but doing investigations and stuff. They're 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 um, they're doing. Um, he sits down with with these people that that, that witness this stuff with with the witnesses and stuff, and um, you know they they interview him and and you know they they seem to think that a lot of these are very credible people. You know, and they're they're very much in belief of, of um, that they're telling the truth. So, all right, do you, do you think uh, this person could you ask this person if you'd like to be on the air? Yeah, because at this point we're booking into January, but we could. Uh, yep. 
Yeah, actually, um, I will. I will definitely okay. do that. Okay, great. We'll turn them over to Lori, our casting producer, and uh, set them up. Okay, what do we got next, Ben? Well, you see, we have uh, Mark from Uxbridge right, writes to us. Uxbridge, Massachusetts, in our yes. listening area. Sorry, I'm used to everyone being around here. Um, no, okay, so, so if anybody's listening in Australia, they'll think we're talking about Greater London. <laughs> exactly. So Mark from Uxbridge, Massachusetts writes to us, uh, Why is it that during some UFO sightings, even if there is a crowd, some people see the UFO and some do not? That's a really good question. Shane, what do you think? I just heard this question... I, this topic just came up somewhere. I don't know what I was listening to, but... Uh, oh, yeah, th- th- this is not the first time we've gotten this question. Okay, maybe that's why, because I, I was listening to a couple of the shows that I missed of yours, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, maybe that's, w- that's what it was. Um, but, um, yeah, someone actually said that they were sitting on a beach or whatever, and they were looking up, and they're getting their camera because it, there was clearly, like, a UFO hovering above, but they're looking around wondering why no one else is noticing this thing. And um, but no one seemed to. Um, mm-hmm. But because uh, people were staring at their uh, smartphones. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah but um, I mean, I, I've never. When I have seen what I, I thought was a UFO, if I wasn't alone, if I was with somebody, they were able to see it. Um, you know, so that I usually break things down by experiencing it. You know, and being able to to, to form an opinion in, in real time. You know, but uh, so I've never. You know seen that actually happen where one person can see it and other ones can't. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess I don't know if I well, have an opinion on why that is. Now, I remember you being in the midst of a kind of this UFO flap that's kind of going on in New Hampshire right now where you live, and you saw had a very dramatic sighting. And uh, this was, I believe, earlier this year or last year. And there was someone else, was it a police officer who yeah. also saw it in a different place yeah, well, than you did. It first was reported to me by, uh, before I saw anything, it was reported to me by a retired police officer who was still very young. He, he you know, became a police officer, did like 20 years, retired from yeah. it. Still a younger, young guy, and um, he was out walking his dog at like 2.30 in the morning or 2 o'clock or something like that um, in the morning, wondering to himself, well, man, you know, why is the moon so bright? And then he looks up finally and r- realizes that it wasn't the moon it was just giant he said absolutely massive he kept saying massive 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 disc shape this white disc shaped thing in the sky and it was just kind of slowly moving back and forth it tilted to the side the light went out he said sparkles fell from it and it took off at a high rate of speed um a couple days after that we had black military helicopters um flying around the area which we never have um i started getting reports from uh, employees of two local businesses that that operate 24 hours, and I mean I'm over 20 to close to 30 reports um, I, w- I got from the people that didn't know each other that all saw the same thing. Um, a few days after the um, black military helicopters, we had three fighter jets fly over, um, and, and they shot off a countermeasure flare o- o- right in the area where the UFO was sighted. Um, and then a couple of days after that, I witnessed three silver discs just near my home. Actually, I was just about to pull into my, my private drive, and just to the right of the road over this hill were three silver discs. Well, one one was there moving back and forth. Then another one blinked. It just came on. No, that, that one came from the background and sparked right next to the other one, and the other one blinked on like a light switch. It just appeared, and they were the same size, the same color, very silver shiny, and um, 
and as I'm grabbing my camera and of course you know powering it up I, I want to keep my eye on them because I don't want them to move on right me. right that one blinked out that one shot back off and the other one took off you did get some amazing pictures though uh, over my house over your house yeah, yeah. so then uh, that was all all those sightings happened in September of the last year okay and then this year I forget when it was um, but I, I I saw this humanoid looking thing in the uh, in in my clearing in the, in my woods at two thirty eight I think exactly at a m in the morning um, in the middle of the night had my light out I was in the bathroom and I saw it looking at me from outside and um, so I set up trail cameras uh, didn't get nothing the, the the next night but the the second night I had the trail cams out I had uh, one thousand nineteen photos taken by one trail camera because the you know the the leaves were moving and stuff setting them off. But only in six of those did I have a series of lights, um, a row of lights, equally spaced in each in each photo, hovering above my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I there, there's only like cobwebs close to a lens can cause a similar effect. But they were e- these lights were equally spaced in every single photo, and I just find it you know I don't think it was cobweb. Yeah, I've been doing this too long, so all right. Well, uh, we're going to take a break, but before we come back. Uh, I want to, we're going to think about some more issues regarding these black helicopters. Now, that, that'll get back into Rick's question from the Chicago uh, Mothman sighting issue, and it'll get into some of the, uh, the flap areas that we always, there always seem to be these black helicopters without any markings on them, which isn't even legal. Mm. And there, is, there are some, some things about these black helicopters that, that reports have come to us that are kind of really beyond strange. So we can maybe get into that a little bit uh, based on our last two questions uh, when we come back. So anyway, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Today with our uh, famous guest co-host Shane Searway, uh, we're doing an open line show here on ON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, Parrothead. This is Joe Callahan, your Mater D in the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. One full hour of nothing but Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by attorney Bob Lauder and by the Carew Investment Group. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. We've got uh, Ben, of course, with us today, our usual co-host and our, fa- and our, our very, very popular guest co-host, Shane Searway, uh, from TrueGhost.com. Come all, comes all the way down from New Hampshire to be with us on these open line shows. I really appreciate it. People love them. And as always, you. Well, yeah, I'm here, I guess, <laughs> you know, more or less. So uh, we were talking, uh, we we're answering several questions from listeners. Uh, they have to do, uh, in some cases, with the, certainly the Chicago Mothman-like creature being sighted uh, in, in rather large numbers in that very large metropolitan area and bringing in the black helicopter thing. And the black helicopter, for those who don't know, uh, seems to be a fixture in many uh, UFO cases or any, really cases that have to do with anything in these flap areas we discuss, which are areas of uh, incessant paranormal activity that do not of, of kinds that do not necessarily seem to be related to each other, ghosts, UFOs, uh, Bigfoot sightings, cryptids, other things that don't have names yet. And uh, these, the military always seems to be interested, if it is the military. And we've cited many cases on the show about that. But the black helicopter and air activity of that kind does seem to be very common in these areas. Now, I've heard reports, particularly from the West, uh, having to do with cattle mutilation cases, 
where black helicopters have been present and have been seen, if these reports can be believed, to turn into discs. Mm, I heard that too. You know, and sometimes the discs, shortly before that or after that, have been making helicopter sounds. Uh, vice versa, sometimes people have seen these, and this is not wildly common, but th- there are a number of reports, that the, the glowing disc-like craft uh, that have turned into black helicopters and occasionally right in front of people, yep. again, in these flap areas, or at least where cattle mutilations are going on. Shane, what say you? I've heard the same thing, but I don't know if I, I told you or if I, if I, I think I might have mentioned it to you, but I don't know if I said it on the air, but... When I saw that creature, that humanoid-looking thing in my backyard, um, the day, I believe it was the morning after, um, I have this written down somewhere, I'll have to look back at it, but I, be, I believe it was the very next morning when I woke up, I went outside onto my deck uh, because I heard a helicopter. There was a black helicopter above my house. Not, I don't think you did tell me that. Yeah, and no. it, it was circling around my house. It wasn't just flying by. It, yeah. it circled a couple times and then slowly took off. But and it, it wasn't um, right on top of my house, but it it, it wasn't very high up either you know um but it i've never seen one do that you know but right over yeah. my house and this was the morning after i saw that thing and you were in a rural area with only a few other houses right yeah it's a pretty quiet area and um i uh when i took my dog out um after i came in from the deck he immediately ran down he was kenneled that night sometimes he'll sleep in our bed with us he has been lately because he's spoiled but um <laughs> he, he was in his kennel that night so it wasn't like he, he could look out a window or nothing like that but as soon as i let him out he ran down usually he just does his business in the, in the, you know the back around my chicken coop or whatever he actually ran down the embankment where I, this thing was standing where the clearing is and he went right to the very spot where i saw this thing standing wow. and he wouldn't come off of that for a half hour and He's very well trained. When I say heel, he'll come right to me every single time. Yeah. He would not come off of that spot for 30 minutes. He was just sniffing around, sniffing around. Really? That's Hank the dog. Hank the dog. He's the next, the next best thing to Wyatt, the ghost hunting dog we had. <laughs> Boy, the, the new generation. Ah, yes. What do you think, Ben? Um, well. I mean, we, we have photographs of these these helicopters, you know. No, we do. I think, I mean, I've, I've even, even seen a couple flying around, too. Like, I think, I think we're going to start seeing more of them. Over over the next next couple of years, as as things start to thin out and and change and and all that, and, yeah. you know, we're we're in for for a rough couple of years probably. So I mean, who knows? I think I think um, we're not going to get re- really any answers for it. I mean, we haven't gotten answers in the first place. So <laughs> well, whether Rick's sister's sighting was connected with the Mothman thing is is, is another. Thing. I, I would like to know. There's probably other phenomena going what, on. But exactly, you took the words right out of my mouth. What else is going on in the Chicago area? Because all I mean, a huge area like that, naturally, you're going to have a lot of people having experiences. Right. I remember that uh, Chicago was one of the centers of of another thing we mentioned in our, in our last book, uh, the mysterious kangaroo outbreak in the Midwest in the 1960s. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, what? <laughs> Uh, the first one took place in Chicago. Some guy called the police and said, I, this is in 67, I believe, called the police and said there was a, a kangaroo going through his garbage cans in his backyard. And the cops said, yeah, right. So they, they had a big yuck, and then they came off, and sure enough, there was the kangaroo. And they didn't know what to do. I mean, they called animal control, but it was, you know, it's a big city, and it took a while to get there. So they, uh, the, the kangaroo wouldn't let him get near. And when they did, they, they, tried to ha- they literally tried to handcuff the kangaroo and that um, that didn't really uh, really work. Well, I mean, they're not exactly 
Oh. So, Sorry uh, anyway, that. they were seen all over the uh, the Midwest uh, in that particular area. Okay, Shane's uh, showing a picture now of, of, uh, of that. That was o- over my house as well. There was two of them that time. Two? Really? That was right after... That was right after the uh, sighting. That oh wow, we're we're going to um, try and show that I think uh, in a minute. But we have a uh, a caller at this point. Uh, I think we've got uh, our good friend Susan Spooler calling in uh, to talk about the uh, the Greater New England UFO conference coming up in uh, Lemonster, Mass, in uh, October. So that's going to be great. So do we have? Um, is this who I think it is? Hello. Hello. It is who I think it is. Hello, oh, Susan. It is, it is Susan. <laughs> hello, Paul. How are you? And oh, hello, Willie. Canada. Great to talk to you. So, uh, why don't you cue for, we're, we're going to be talking about this at the end of the show on our announcements, but uh, tell, tell us what's uh, the latest news with the Greater New England UFO Conference coming up. Well, we have uh, Travis Walton coming in, and of course you and Ben will be speaking. We have Mark D'Antonio, Peter Robbins will be our, um, our MC. And um, Steve Lapoon is supposed to be showing up as well. Oh, Steve, wow. Steve is one of our occasional guest co-hosts on this show. So that's yeah. great. Okay, and uh, tell us when and where and uh, what are the tickets. Okay. Um, website is www.newenglandufo.com. That's N-E-W-E-N-G-L-A-N-D, UFO.com. It's Friday night, um, October 6th, from 6 to 9 p.m., at Lemonster City Hall and on Saturday, October 7th, from 8 a.m. until 6 p.m. Uh, at Lemonster City Hall, $10 on Friday night for you for the Bigfoot evening and $25 on Saturday for all of the amazing speakers that we're going to be having. So Nick Redfern is our keynote speaker, and we're also having Bill Hall and... Um, uh, Alexander Petrikov, who is um, a world-renowned uh, videographer, and um, his research entails um, nest, well, the Loch Ness monster as well as Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. So we're having quite quite an, um, quite an interesting cast. Of I just I can't wait. Monster. It's certainly one of our favorite events of the year, and it's a terrific lineup. And uh, I just I just yes. can't wait. Some some of the, the the subjects are going to be very interesting as well. Absolutely. Tell, yeah. Paul, tell us about what you'll be, you and Ben will be speaking about. On uh, night well, on, on, on Bigfoot night, which is Friday, we're going to be talking about uh, our, the subject of our talk is uh, the fur flies, Bigfoot, and UFOs. Okay, uh, which we, we have had direct experiences, including Shane. We got to get Shane in there at some point uh, the, the, within the next few years. There uh, on Saturday, uh, we'll be ta- at eleven in the morning, I believe. We'll be talking about something that a lot of people have been asking about, but we've never spoken about before. It would be uh, UFOs, the paranormal, and God. What are the theological implications? Or I think what people really want to know is: Is it okay to be in a religious group and still believe in the in UFOs and the paranormal? It's a big question for a lot of people. So we're going to address that for the first time. Right, because if there if here is something we don't that you, it's unknown to us. Yeah, exactly. Then we exactly. Don't know. That's it. And uh, don't forget the. Um, uh, soup dog is that the name of the, the dedicated food truck? I, I, I get to indulge in my uh, hot dog dependency every year. Absolutely, and he'll have breakfast, lunch, and supper available, and he renames all this food to uh, interesting and fun. Excellent. And um, this is at the Lemonster City Hall. Lemonster City Hall. West Street and downtown Lemonster. It's right off of Route 2. Okay, and give us and, the website uh, once website. more, please. 
www.newenglandufo.com. Outstanding. There may or may not be black helicopters. <laughs> and we look forward to seeing everyone. It'll be a great time. We can't wait to see you again, Susan Orley. Thank you, guys. Okay, thanks. Thanks for calling in. Indeed. Okay, folks. You're welcome. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we'll mention the conference again uh, in our announcement period. But right now, let's get back to the uh, the black helicopters and this sort of thing. Um, the question of whether this is the military, not the military, or something totally other is is a question that, that has bugged me, uh, particularly in light of these these reports of the tra- craft morphing into something different, or at least. Yeah. Uh, in people's minds. Uh, there's also the question, are these simply being projected? But now you, Shane, have photographs of the ones over your house. Ben, can we put the camera on that uh, uh, for those who are listening uh, on a, or watching on a device that has we, the video feed? We can try. Just hand me the phone yeah. and I'll, we'll, and, uh, I'll we'll, do my we'll, best. Well, Just, uh, first, this is Hank on that spot where I saw okay. the humanoid. Yep, Hank the dog, yep, on that spot uh, where uh, the... Humanoid, and can you describe this this humanoid? Well, for, I was a little intrigued that you describe uh, that when you go to the bathroom, uh, use the bathroom at night. You you don't you do it without the lights on. That, that can be hazardous, but <laughs> but that's the only reason you you saw the, uh, this face, right? Huh? Well, it was a, a good moon outside. It was very bright, so it was brighter yeah. outside. Well, like my Bigfoot sighting when you were at the other end of the property, and the, the moon was yeah. bright, and that's why I saw it. Yeah, and um, and I didn't turn on the light of the fan because I don't want to disturb my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, she works hard and everything, so um, I shut the door. I got, I can see very good at that. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah. So yeah. I I noticed uh, what what is this thing? I'm look, looking out my window because there's a window right behind the toilet, and I see this thing in, in the clearing, and it's it's just staring right at me. And it, its head moved back and forth, and it looked back up at me. It shouldn't have been able a to see whitish me. face. It was, it was, it was almost orangish looking. Really? Like, yeah, it was a, and and it looked, the the face <clears throat> looked like um, a photo that we have that one in the kitchen. Yes. It looked like that. Um, wow. Um, you know, you can look at that photo two different ways. One is if it, if it was looking forward, but I don't think that in that photo it is. It's it's actually looking straight down. The eyes on the bottom. Uh. When you look at it in, at that angle, it, that's exactly what I saw. Except for it was like an orange. It looked orangish to me. You have to come to one of our lectures to see that photo. Uh, our agreement with the people is that we will not publish it or put it online, but we can use it during lectures. So you just have to. Come to one of our events, whether either Shane's or Ben's and mine or all, all of us. Okay, well let, let's. Right, uh, this is the helicopters okay. right after, right after I saw that humanoid. Okay, that was I, the I next had day. One that circled around my house, and then I had those two above my house. Okay, and we don't have that kind of traffic where I live. The only the only other reports I've heard of the helicopters circling people's houses like that was after the Boston Marathon bombing. Oh yes, because <laughs> one of Ben's friends had happened to them. When oh he, yeah, he. he uh, well, actually, no. He got he got questioned by Homeland Security. Oh okay. That was yeah. And he was a vet, U.S. veteran. Yeah, he was a Marine. Yeah. So uh, okay, well, and that let's move on to our next question, and because uh, we're never going to resolve the issue of the black helicopters. No. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll move on to Sherry. Ah, one of your your favorite your favorite topics. I I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, I would like to well, direct this question to all three of you. But starting with Paul, because he has a theological education, um, could some religious phenomena actually be UFOs? I'm thinking of the miracle of the sun at Fatima. Oh, okay. Well, that's an interesting question. That's come up when we've had Kevin Cook 
Oh yeah, on the show because Kevin is a uh, an author of a book about uh, the so-called Marian phenomena, the, the the Marian apparitions and miracles, and he believes they're real. But uh, interestingly, if the miracle of the sun at Fatima, this is 1917, Fatima in Portugal, and uh, F- Portugal was neutral during the First World War, and was so because the First World War was going on all around, and uh, but Portugal was neutral, so they were at peace, and they had a. Uh, some children had seen the Virgin Mary, what they believed was the Virgin Mary, in this grotto, and um, they everybody found out about it, and they would have these ecstasies, and they would be uh, supposedly in communication with the Virgin Mary, and you know thousands and thousands of people came, and on one particular day they had this so-called miracle of the sun. Now, I'm not, I say so-called, I wasn't there, I don't know, whatever happened. And all I can think of was, you know, the first thing they tell you when you're a kid after look both ways before you cross the street is don't look directly at the sun because you burn your retinas. Now, we all found that out during the eclipse a few uh, yeah. weeks ago. And so, I mean, I don't know what they were looking at. So, yeah, I mean, people say it was dancing around in the sky, moving around, and, and many of the, descri- the, the descriptions match those of UFO reports from today. Now, I don't know, but I do know that if you research many of these areas, including Lourdes in France, where another such uh, apparition occurred, uh, and Fatima, these both in grottos, these were known as fairy grottos from the time uh, before the Romans all the way up. And what they were known for strange figures being seen there, there were, believe it or not, Bigfoot sightings, so I've been told, uh, around both of these areas in Europe, uh, or Yeti as they call them there now, uh, a lot of strange lights in the sky. So again, maybe it was this one uh, tip of the iceberg in what we would call flap areas, because uh, Lourdes and uh, Fatima are close enough geographically, especially by American standards, to perhaps be in the same flap area. So uh, that's a long answer again to a short question, but I think that it's very possible uh, these could be UFO phenomena. And, and what are UFO phenomena? UFO simply means unidentified flying object. doesn't necessarily mean it's some craft from another planet. It could, it could be swamp gas, as, as they used to say back in the 60s, you know, as an explanation, because if it's a light in the sky, you don't know what it is, it's a UFO. So, this this miracle of the sun in particular, uh, whatever it was, uh, was bizarre. Uh, one wonders, uh, if, if this were a, a literal miracle, um, I mean, you, you'd have to believe that the sun, if it moved at all, uh, that would create all sorts of gravitational uh, and weather catastrophes um, like that, you know, g- given the, the, the astronomical knowledge that many of the of the farmers at the time wouldn't have had in Portugal, I suppose. So uh, I think that we may very well be dealing with a UFO uh, sort of phenomenon associated with a flap area that may have involved the uh, sighting of someone the children thought was the Virgin Mary. Maybe it was the Virgin Mary. I, I don't know. It's not for me to say, but I would just, I'm just suggesting other possibilities. Well, I don't think it's coincidence that there's so many... Um and a couple very famous ones, uh, religious paintings, religious themed paintings that have UFOs in the sky. In, in, seemingly, in the yeah. 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 Seemingly, yeah. Even relatively modern ones. Right. Yeah. So. Or even like pointing to um, the prophet Ezekiel being taken up by a wheel of fire or the chariot of fire. There, Yes. There, uh, I've counted about 130, and there are probably more 
references in the Bible to strange lights in the sky either hovering, landing, uh, flying by great speeds, things of this kind, very often described as clouds yeah. or whatever. But you know, people would describe, oh, well, like when the Romans saw UFOs or the Egyptians, they would describe them as flying shields. And there are actual ancient descriptions of these things. Uh, and I'm wondering, too, I mean, not to get too far afield here, but as far as uh, things people thought were divine or uh, supernatural phenomena, I'm thinking of uh, some uh, our, one of our old friends we brought up several times, uh, the Pharaoh Amenhotep IV, uh, yes. otherwise known as Akhenaten, uh, who was the, uh, the f- well, supposedly, generally believed to be the father of the great Tutankhamun, who wasn't so great, but he, he was well-known because they found all this great stuff in his tomb. Uh, he actually was a very important pharaoh. But Akhenaten had the, this, this bizarre experience down along the Nile of a disc, uh, depending on how you read it. I don't read ancient Egyptian. I used to be able to get through some of the hieroglyphs, but I'm rusty. He had some sort of an experience of what he thought was, and he, was, was the sun god, but he didn't call it this. He called it the sun disc. That's a literal term, the sun disc. And he literally saw it, and all of a sudden he goes back and he tells all the priests, well, hey guys, it's it's over. We're not going to worship anybody else anymore except this sun disc. And all these uh, carvings on temples that were in, memorialized him were just the disc with, with these rays coming down. And that was all there was. To, that's all they worshipped. They had all these hymns to the sun disc. And... Uh, I mean, what was this about? All of a sudden, you know, you know, two, three thousand years of tradition, out it goes into the trash bin, and you're just worshiping this one God now. And a lot of people think maybe he was Moses, the Moses figure, uh, who was uh, fighting against the the, the uh, polytheism, the many gods of Egypt, and ended up in in the Bible. I think that's a stretch. But in any case, um, he was a, he was it was kind of a strange looking guy. If you look at some of his the reproduction, yeah, of his, his, like his forehead image. was elongated and yeah, like very, very, very odd. But supposedly he was the uh, the father of Tutankhamun. Now King Tut, as he's known, uh, was a major guy. He was young and he died young, but not before he restored the ancient worship of all the different gods and he got rid of this. Everybody respected Ra, who was supposed to be the sun god, but this wasn't Ra. This is the sun disk. Very, very strange, real, real aberration in Egyptian spirituality at that time, and uh, this experience supposedly created. So here, this isn't Fatima or Lourdes with the Virgin Mary, but it may be a very, very interesting uh, supernatural experience, or at least he thought so. Hmm. So I'm sure there's more to it, but we don't know. So the idea is, uh, yeah, these these things could very, very well be, uh, you know, things of this kind. I don't know, anybody else have any thoughts? Um. Well, you, you, I guess I'd have to I'd have to rewind you a little bit and go back to to Fatima and right. all these all these other these these other religious experiences. People, yeah, there are a lot of had. others. Uh, oh yeah, and one of the Medjugorje. One of the things that was pointed out to me by a friend of my wife's was you know the, these kids didn't have like a theological education. You know, no. they were like four, five, six, seven year old kids. Like you know, they had no clue what they were looking at. All they had to go on was oh well, you know. Looks like a beautiful woman. More than it's probably Mary. You know that was the logical yeah. conclusion at the time. Well, they, they all look different. These figures in, in these various miracles. They do. If you go to the La Salette Shrine 
over here in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, right near our, in our in our listening area, uh, they have a very famous Christmas display, and they have a um, the. The, the, the order of priests has been sort of founded around um, the spirituality based on this miracle where the Virgin Mary, at least I thought it was the Virgin Mary, appeared. And there's a statue of the figure that appeared over there. It's rather rather striking and dramatic. And there's a very strange crown on the head with rays coming out. And uh, it, it looks very much like the Greek renditions of the goddess Hera. Oh also, yeah, you know. I uh, thought that too, and I was you like, know, mean, meaning no disrespect. It's just, it's just, it's there are too many coincidences here, and uh, what do we read into them? You know, and uh, you could think of very well have been the Virgin Mary. I don't know; it's not up to us, but there well, are other possibilities. I think it's, I think it's actually a really good exercise in in perspective that that we always say that you know, phenomena is is based upon the experiencer. So whatever yeah. they see, it tends to be. Um, Reflective of the of, of the person's perspective and point of view, so I mean any anyone who's who's had sort of um, any any sort of religious experience. I mean even if it's a near death experience, they'll all tell you different things. But they'll say, "Nope, oh, this is what the afterlife is like. Like it's exactly like this." But it's all based on their perspective. Yeah, in a few weeks we got somebody just like that coming up. Shane, uh, what do you think of all this? Yeah, no, I agree with everything you guys said. Well, so. that's that's why we like you as a co-host. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Um, all right, I don't know if we have any. Yeah, I guess we have time for one more, maybe. If if it's short, quick one. Um, yeah. I, I guess we'll go we'll go with this one. Uh, this is from uh, Brenna in Marietta, Ohio, and uh, is right across the river from Parkersburg, West Virginia. Yeah, right. And uh, Brenna yeah. writes to us: uh, Is it true that childies uh, can be helpful in getting rid uh, getting rid of people from accursed places? Oh, I wish we had more time for this one. Yeah, I mean, that's why I was like, it looks simple. It's one sentence, but sometimes well, yeah. like, one-sentence questions are the most complex. Well, a childe, C-H-I-L-D-E, is another name for a black-eyed child. Oh, that, I, I Googled it because I wasn't sure what, what it was. Oh, yeah? So I, 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 it came up with, like, it was like some sort of, like, child education system thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's C H I L D E is how it's actually spelled. Well, it was an acronym. Okay, okay, all right. Well, yeah, all right. Well, that's well, that's not what we're talking about. Um, now, we we interpret phenomena by our own narrow paradigm, and so we I think we very often not only interpret phenomena according to that, but we'll interpret the intentions of whatever entities we run into in the phenomena according to our human narrow paradigm too, and. According to some interpretations, when you have these figures like shadow people or the hat man or the suit man or any of these archetypal figures, uh, which in, in my experience anyway have very often turned into parasitical haunt, hauntings or negative stuff, you've got the idea that these childies or black-eyed children or shadow people are coming in to scare the humans out of a place that is cursed. Th- th- that's that's one of the pop interpretations of this. I don't believe that, Shane. What do you think? No, I don't. I don't believe that either. But also, there's, there's reports by people who claim to have seen a black-eyed children, or, or that has invited them in, um, sometimes into their vehicle, other times into the home, where they that's uh, followed by a, a severe illness too. Mm. After being close to these black-eyed children, somebody. That was near them got really sick or whatever cancer or what, whatever. Well, that's um, interesting. But you know I, these are only reports. Um, 
I've never had the opportunity to meet a black-eyed child myself, so yeah. I can't. I, I operate on usually what I can prove. You never so. know what's going to happen at your house. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, yeah. All right, well, we're, we're just about out of time. I'm afraid. I think well, we're going to take that question up again because yeah. there's a lot to it. But we're out of time, so let's get to our announcements. First of all, uh, Shane, tell us where people can find out more about you. Uh, my website's trugos.com, T-R-U-E-G-H-O-S-T.com. Uh, my contact information is there as well, and I'm going to try to get better about posting um, the upcoming events as well on that By website. By all means, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, this coming Saturday, September 30th, we'll talk about, we being Ben and myself, about strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts in western Connecticut and beyond at the Brandywine Living Center in Litchfield, Connecticut, heart of the Litchfield Triangle. That's going to be at 2 p.m., Public is invited, and RSVP to Nanette Bergen at 860-567-9500. And among the books uh, we will have for sale uh, and, and for signing at the event will be our newest, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard Of, also available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle, and we will have copies available for sale at all of our forthcoming events. If you can't get to one of our events and would still like an autographed copy of any of our books, you can get them at the show's online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. And our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong is in most bookstores, and if they don't have it, they can get it. It's also available at all our forthcoming events on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. And again, you can get an autographed copy at BehindTheParanormal.com. Now, on October 6th and 7th, as our, our callers at the bottom of the arrow told us, about, told us, uh, we'll be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts, one of our favorite events of the year. Our subject for Friday evening, which is Bigfoot Night, will be The Fur Flies, Bigfoot and UFOs. Uh, that'll be at 7.45 p.m. On Saturday at 11 p.m., we'll present a talk on UFOs, the paranormal, and God. Find information at New England newenglandufo.com cost is only $10 for the Friday program $25 for the Saturday program other speakers will include the great Nick Redfern as keynote speaker uh, guest MC Peter Robbins international cryptozoology researcher Alexander Petikoff uh, our partner in crime Mark D'Antonio and more and the following week October 14th we'll speak at the Western Connecticut UFO Conference at Danbury Connecticut Library along with Shane Searway uh, Linda Zimmerman Rosemary Ellen Guiley and other legendary researchers what's your subject going to be there um, well, since it's a UFO conference, I'm going to do a little bit of both parasitic entities, and, and I'll throw in some of the UFO stuff going on up in New Hampshire. Outstanding. So I can't wait for that. Now, a mere three days later, on October 17th, we'll be right here in our local listening area presenting an updated program, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, at the Blackstone Public Library in Blackstone, Massachusetts. And, uh, okay, the following Saturday, October 21st, I'll be back at the Danbury Library in Connecticut, this time with author William J. Hall for a program about Bill's 2014 book, The World's Most Haunted House, about the famous Bridgeport case of 1974, to which I'm one of the few surviving eyewitnesses. And on Saturday, October 28th at 1 p.m., we'll speak at the Portsmouth Public Library in New Hampshire, the subject, What's Really Behind the Paranormal in New Hampshire and Beyond. And I should mention, this is only just came up on Labor Day, uh, I should say, um, Columbus Day. Day weekend here in Woonsocket, we'll be, uh, talk, uh, Ben and I will be at an author's event uh, on Sunday and Monday at the Woonsocket Public Library uh, lawn with a number of other local authors. Okay, so uh, what do we have next Sunday, Ben? So next Sunday, October 1st, we'll uh, welcome back the legendary Timothy Green Beckley for a look at the strange life and work of Philip K. Dick, one of my favorite authors, actually. 
We leave you this afternoon with an intriguing thought from Lebanese philosopher and poet Khalil Gibran. Trust in dreams, for in them is hidden the gate to eternity. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Stairway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.